Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, we were a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Reflector by Arcade Fire. So Arcade Fire, Dan, I have to confess, uh, you're probably more of a fan person. Uh, groupie. Groupie. Uh, and general uh, enthusiast about Arcade Fire than I am. Yes, I think this is uh, this is one that I've brought to the table. But I think as we go through, obviously you've been doing your homework, of course, you're a professional. But as we go through, I think you'll find that there's a lot to love here. There's a lot of elements of them. You know, it might not be instantly recognisable as kind of your cup of tea, but there's lots of elements here that you're going to love. And of course, this album was produced by James Murphy uh, of LCD Sound System. So uh, I know you're a big fan of his work. Uh, yes, and we've spoken about him and them in a previous episode of Track by Track. Yeah, much earlier this we did the American Dream album. So do feel free to pop back and listen to that after you finish this one first. Yeah, listen to this one first. No pudding without finishing your dinner. Oh, uh, it was always the way at home, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. No, no tin fruit cocktail if you haven't finished your... Smiley faces and turkey dinosaurs. Yes, as tempting as the spotted dick was, I'd have to eat my chops first. So, and quite appropriate now, as the nights are drawing in, that we're gathered round a very warm fire Mm. this evening. It's beautiful. Yes. And Arcade Fire are a Canadian group. Um, I don't know, how. what would you call them? Indie pop, indie rock, dance rock? The, the, yeah, the beautiful thing about them is that their sound does change with every album. It began with Funeral way back in 2004, which was uh, a much more uh, yeah indie, hints of folk, definitely some of a harder rock in certain songs, uh, and it progressed to be a little bit more electronic. And I think this album is the, probably the peak of the electronica, and then the next album, Everything Now, really was their poppiest, wasn't it? It really was, and it wouldn't surprise you to hear me say that was my favourite. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And so why know, aren't we doing that one? Because uh, uh, there's a tenuous anniversary, I'm sure, the, up, up your shirt sleeves. Well, uh, not too tenuous. If you, in fact, if you've noticed, lately they have been much more... Bang on the money. Yes. Normally, the, the last few have been kind of 21 years, 25 years. This is a, a six-year anniversary. So um, in terms of... You know, whether it would be Paper or Pearl or whatever, I'm not quite sure. But this album was released six years ago on the 28th of October. which So tomorrow is the big six years. Uh, so, and we've got a very exciting week coming up, Dan. Um, as we enter into the kind of winter season, obviously Christmas is on the horizon. But we've got coming up very soon now, Halloween, yes. Bonfire Night. This is our unofficial Halloween episode. And, you know, it's it's... It's worked out perfectly because we've got on here, we've got songs about afterlife. We've got, we're going to be uh, name checking the Resurrector. So, uh, yeah, it certainly feels right to be talking about them now. And are you a fan of Halloween? Uh, I'm not as much as a fan of Bonfire Night, which obviously originated in the UK. I do think Halloween is uh, something that has become more of a, it's an American thing that's had more of an influence over culture in the UK over the, probably the last 10 years. More so now. Yeah, I think you're right. And you don't you don't like being made jump? Oh, no, I don't like being scared. You don't like someone coming up behind you and giving you the willies? No, absolutely not. Or, or uh, yeah, putting the ghoulies up me. 
<laughs> so Arcade Fire uh, consists of husband and wife Wynne Butler and Regine uh, Chasagni. Chasagni? Chasange? Chasong. Something like that. Sorry, uh, Regine. Along with Wynne's brother William Butler and Richard Reed Parry, Tim Kingsbury and Jeremy Garris. So there's quite the collective. Uh, and they founded. They were founded in the year 2000. And it was around 2004 that they really kind of rose up from the graves yeah, to haunt us musically with some fantastic music. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, Funeral was their first album. Uh, and my favourite song on there, I have to say, there's a song called Lights Out. It's one of the many songs called Neighbourhood. Uh, this one's called, that's sorry, Power Out, uh, which was performed on George Holland, I think, quite early in their career and really just showcased how experimental, how raucous they were, but also really a real fine ear from a sort of a catchy melody as well. It's uh, And, and li- they really do come to life live. I was absolutely gutted to... I've whinged about this many times, but 2014, I wasn't able to get a Glastonbury ticket. Of course, you were there. Um, and that's the year they headlined. So I would have loved to have been there. But I was lucky enough to see them that year play in Hyde Park as part of British Summertime. Uh, and it was around the time of the Reflector album, of course. Uh, it was a great set. Did you see them when you were there that year? I didn't, unfortunately, oh. no. But I heard amazing things about them. There was a lot of buzz about their set mm. around the site. And I, a, few, uh, that, a few years after that, I did base my festival makeup, my festival look on Wynne's um, sort of painted eye mask. Uh, so should we get stuck in? Side one, track one. This is title track, Reflector. Uh, so not only is that the uh, first track on the album, it was also the first single to be released from this album. And what did you think of that one, Will? Do you know what? It is one of my favourites on the album, probably because uh, it's one of the more poppier, commercial-sounding songs. Uh, and that's not because I'm some kind of uh, simpleton. It's well... more... No, no, <laughs> no. no. Okay. Um, but I love some of their more accessible tracks. Yeah, they certainly do have, there are certainly two sides of the band, the accessible, like this, the title track from Everything Now, uh, Ready to Start, which was the lead single from the previous album, uh, and then, yeah, there is the more sort of uh, immersive experimental sound, but I completely agree, and actually, this is my favourite Arcade Fire song ever. Really? There's, There's just so much love about this song. I think instantly it's a departure from the previous sound. The Suburbs was quite, uh, it was much more of a kind of lo-fi indie sound. And then this instantly, you, you can just tell that there's more electronics here, more more dance influences, of course, which brought in by James Murphy. And I love how many parts this song's got. It's a bit like a Bohemian Rhapsody almost. There's so many different parts, aren't there? It begins with that slow beat, Later on, you've got that fantastic uh, sort of breakdown with a lot of brass and, of course, 
can't talk about this song without mentioning David Bowie. Yes, a special guest on this. What a coup for them. I know. Eh? And the story goes that he was uh, in the studio next door, I believe. He was recording in the, or using the same studios at least and heard them demoing this song. And he said to them, if you don't release this song, I'm going to release it. He was that much of a fan of it. Uh, so he ended so up being... a threat. Yeah. <laughs> he did seem like quite a dangerous character. Uh, I don't think he was in his labyrinth here at the time, but that probably would have made it a little bit more... With his orbs jangling around. Oh. In his hands. Wearing a kilt. Not in his uh, lycra tights. Mm. Dangerous Dave, they used to call him in the studio. Really? No. Oh. But it's got a lovely ring to it, hasn't it? Yeah. This was released in 2013, this single. Uh, and it was on an enemy's list of the top songs, top singles of 2013 as well. Thank goodness. And actually, as the the vinyl, at least, release of the single had the band credited as The Reflectors, which must be very confusing for collectors and compilers and all that kind of thing. Yes, a completely confusing situation. But, as I said before, it's, there's so many different parts, but I think my favourite part is... You almost think it's going to come to a close after the after the David Berry part because how else, where else could it go? And then these p- keyboard sounds come in, almost a little bit of a Manchester sound to them, and then it just kind of continues to swirl and swirl. It's like a some sort of cyclone in a a cyclone on a dance floor, I'd say. There's a there's a stunning climax to this track. Yeah, and it, it, again, we've just played thirty seconds of. Uh, God knows what part of the song we've just played, but uh, it is seven and a half minutes long. It really is one you have to just listen to the whole thing. And as we've said so many times before, we love those. If a song is of a great quality, don't spice it up. Let it just be a long, fantastic, epic track. Uh, And this got to number 44 in the UK singles charts on release, which isn't surprising. Mm, Yeah, this is the thing with Archive. They've never really been a... A, n- a number one band, have they? And certainly in the singles chart, I don't think that any of their singles have really, you know, I don't think Mark Goodyear has been shouting about them on the top 40, if that's still a thing. Who does the top 40 now? Is it Scott Mills? Um, I have no idea. And I was just reminded again the other day, just glancing at what the top 10 was. I didn't know a single song on there. I have no idea who that number one is. But certainly I know what's number one of the uh, podcast charts, and that's track by track. In our hearts. <laughs> So, track two now, uh, and this one is We Exist. So we exist there, another single from the album. Yes, this was the third single to be released from the album. And a very memorable video, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Andrew Garfield was in this video, uh, playing a transgendered woman. So he was uh, dressed up a bit in the video. Um, Andrew Garfield seems to be, because I saw him recently on, he was a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Yes. He does seem to be, I don't know, I'm not going to cast any... Spursions on him, but he does seem to be very, very comfortable. Yeah, very open. Yeah, and very fluid. And I, I, I absolutely love that. The fact that I think the press 
do seem to want to pressure him to make some sort of announcement or give himself some sort of label. And I honestly have no idea uh, what his sexual preferences are. And I, it, it's irrelevant. He's a great actor. He seems like a lovely person. Um, and do you know what, Dan? With respect, it's none of your business either. <laughs> Offence taken. Um, <laughs> no, you- but I, I like the fact that he is just very supportive of... Uh, he's a very good actor. I saw him on stage in Angels in America. He was excellent. Which he was criticised for. For I think for what the criticism was that a straight, and I'm using inverted commas there, uh, actor was playing a gay character. Well, you know. Well, who's to say exactly. what he is? Um, but certainly he threw himself into that role. Uh, it was very supportive of... Uh, the LGBT community, certainly from his drag race involvement, certainly from what he's portraying in this as well. So who cares what he is? Exactly. Andrew, we support you. Whatever, wherever, whenever. Uh, I do like this track as well. It's very synth-heavy. You, you could say there's more Cynthia sounds there. And I, I can imagine she would be a massive groupie for Arcade Fire. Yeah, Cynthia sounds would have worn the glitteriest gown to one of the shows for this because there's a great moment actually during the when they play Reflector Live and Regine brings out uh, these sort of uh, mirrored boards and reflects the lights around the auditorium uh, and I think Cynthia would be certainly get involved with that. Also it would be absolutely remiss of us to not talk about Marcus Dravs who also produced this album. James Murphy, I think, gets a lot of the credit because obviously he's a, he's a he's an artist himself. But Marcus Stravs is working on this as well. And he previously worked on Neon Bible and The Suburbs with Arcade Fire, but also has worked with Coldplay on Milo Zaloto and Viva La Vida, or Death and All His Friends, also with Florence and the Machine. And you'll be very pleased to know he also did Arcade Fire's Everything Now. Blimey, what a body of work. Yeah, a fantastic, a fan- really, really fantastic producer that uh, yeah, we should be shouting about. And we are. But after the track, I, I just love how it begins with this really droning sort of electronic bass and sort of humming keys. And then as it builds up, there's some wonderful string work in there. It kind of sweeps the song in a different direction. And again, the climax of that track is the synth is really heavy at the end of that, and it's lovely. Yeah, and again, at 5 minutes 43, he, this on this album, they're not making bite-sized pop songs. They're making huge, almost very, almost overly dramatic, in the best possible sense, bodies of work. But this next song comes in at under three minutes. Uh, and it's track three, Flashbulb Eyes. Flashbulb Eyes there, that's a lovely third track because it sounds completely different to the first two which were very much singles tracks and this is definitely an album track. Uh, I know that's a big hilarious catchphrase of ours now but actually in this sense it's a lovely change from the first two tracks. Yeah, definitely I agree. It's less, less, I'm really shouting today, sorry. It's less focus on the electronics but it really, there's a real sort of carnival vibe to this one I think. And a real the rhythm to this song. I, I was I was I was shaking my shoulders at that one, wasn't I? 
I, I might say actually, it's it is a carnival, but probably more of a macabre carnival. Mm. Yes. Now, uh, lyrically, lyrically, I feel like this track is talking about almost. I don't know if this is true or not. Or maybe it is out there, but I think there's um, hints of maybe either a dig at the paparazzi or at kind of the uh, selfie culture that we're in, because the lyrics talk about what if the camera really do take your soul. Hit me with your flashbulb vibes. Uh, and that is pretty much the lyrics throughout the song. But, um, yeah, the camera taking your soul. Now, Will, you are a fan of a selfie, so do you feel like your, your soul has left your body? I think my soul is long gone. Mm. I think it's uh, sat, sat upstairs somewhere with its feet up having a glass of wine. Mm. I was going to say cup of tea, but I didn't think that was appropriate. No, and it's a bit of a lie. So, on to track four now. And the clouds are coming over, the sky is getting darker, a storm is brewing, here comes the night time. Nighttime there. Will, do you prefer the daytime or the nighttime? Definitely the daytime. Really? Yes. And why is that? Because um, there's a lot, things are not calm during the day. No chance of seeing any ghouls or, or ghosts. Yeah. Most horror stories, scary bit happens at nighttime, doesn't it? I've often thought if you were a really good horror film writer or director, you would have a daytime scene that really you know, gives people the willies. Oh, yeah, and if you can do that during the day, that's mm. lovely. That, well, a nice surprise sometimes as well. <laughs> this is, again, another one of my favourite tracks on the album. I think I adore the continual change of pace. Yes. Tempo, you might say. Did you read that off my notes? No. Oh, right, just a mutual mutual appreciation. Yeah, well, we're very in sync, can't we, mm. now? So, uh, it's been a while. But I completely agree that that playing with the tempos and how it begins still at the carnival from the previous track, then it goes into that more sort of slower... Um, it's almost a bit of a slow jam, isn't it? Mm, definitely. And lyrically, I like what they're talking about. Oh. No, we've done it once. Okay. Um, I like what they're talking about. My favourite line is, but if there's no music up in heaven, then what's it for? And I think we'd both agree that our idea of hell would be no music. Oh, it'd be awful. I hate the sound of silence. What, by Simon and Garfunkel? No. Oh, literally. Li- literally, <laughs> just the sound of silence. And I think, I mean, the whole reason we're here today recording these bloody things is because of the enjoyment we get from it. Yeah. And how we're very passionate and want to share our passion. Absolutely. Professionally. Well, for the most part. But this is another song that is fantastic live. In fact, I hope that we do get to see them live together one day because it would be great if they did this one. Uh, Some lovely piano work. Uh, And we're both fans uh, of an accomplished pianist. And that's lovely. So, on to track five, which is a song uh, not about you, Will. It's a normal person. (laughs) 
a normal person there. Will, have you ever really ever met a normal person? I think I did once. Mm. And I wasn't really very comfortable. No. I thought they might try and make me normal. And that's... I can't imagine that. No, it didn't happen. Uh, so this is very heavy. Musically? Musically. And, <laughs> and lyrically. And lyrically. Definitely, yes. I think... I like how the lyrics and the music sort of go hand in hand with this one. As Wynn on the vocals there is questioning himself. Is he cool enough? Is he cruel enough? What is normal? And what is normal? Well, that's the question really, isn't it? And I, yeah, I don't think there is such a thing as a normal person. Or, or I think if there is such a thing as a normal person, I don't want to be a normal person. It sounds, normal to me, it sounds boring. Yeah, very true. Mm. I like how this one begins and ends. The, it's bookended by, kind of sounds like snippets from a live, a very small, quite early live show from the band where he's uh, Wynn saying, thank you guys for coming out. He also says, do you like rock and roll music? Because I don't know if I do. And I think that kind of hints at how, generally speaking, this album has a less rock and roll sound, but actually on this song, and particularly as it crescendos, it is more of a rock and roll sound. It's, uh, it's so abnormal. Almost normal. Oh, we've got ourselves really tied up in the normals and the abnormals and and whatever. I can't keep up. Um, I just I just forgot to mention earlier that this album itself. So this is the fourth album. Yes. Uh, as we'll come on in a few tracks time to discover, it's a double album. Oh. Where things take a very different turn. I'm looking forward to that. Well, Does it get a bit more normal. Things take a slightly different turn. Track six then, moving swiftly on. You already know. Sometimes I move so fast, sometimes I move so fast. You've stopped to ask, it's already passed. So how can you move so slow? How can you move so slow? You miss it if you don't. So that was You Already Know. Very different feel, that song. Almost a bit of a bit of a glam rock bump to that one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was definitely feeling a little bit of I Said Never Again, But Here We Are. Was that by Mud or was that T-Rex? Rachel Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> An old friend of the podcast and of the Pop Justice Forums. So, uh, hi, Guy. I, I very much doubt they've tuned into an Arcade Fire episode, but I might be wrong. You're going to get some shit for that. <laughs> On the forums. It's going to hit the fan. It's the beeping machine at work in this week. <laughs> so this one, of course, starts with the intro from Jonathan Ross. Will, do you still watch the Jonathan Ross show? No, because um, if we're talking about the two giants of the chat shows, Graham Norton always has the better guests. Mm. And normally Jonathan Ross has ITV people. Yeah. There. And I'm just going to leave it at that because we all know what that means. The, I think the last time I tuned into it was when he had Spice Girls on back in well about a year ago when they announced the tour and yeah since then I think he's had Mel B on talking about a book or something so not, not too fussed about that but then when I tuned into Graham Norton uh, a little while ago the last time I watched uh, Robert De Niro was on there mm. so you know more realist more, yeah. more our, our kind of yes person. good acting yes proper acting. acting acting this song as you said it's very as you said or did I say it well we agreed it's very glam rock <laughs> 
But it's also, it sounds very much like the previous album, The Suburbs. Now, did you listen to any of The Suburbs, Will? No. Did you hear the song Ready to Start? No. Well, we've got some further listening coming up later. So <laughs> fingers crossed it makes an appearance. But it is, it's, again, it's, I've mentioned the, the words indie, lo-fi earlier, and I don't really like to put a label on this band because they are very eclectic. But I think it does have that more, you can hear the acoustic guitars in there. Um, the rhythm just kind of lends itself a bit more to, it's dancey, but it's not dance music. Uh, but yeah, love that song. Really enjoy the energy of that one. Track number seven, and we're on to the last track oh. of disc one. Oh. Or side one of the album. Uh, and this is Joan of Arc. So Joan of Arc there. Before we go any further, Will, I think it would be only right that you give the listeners a bit of a history lesson on Joan of Arc. (laughs) It was Joan just texting me. Well, no, I don't want to insult our listeners' intelligence. I mean, they they already know who Joan of Arc is before coming to listen to the podcast this evening. I do want to say something about this song. Goldfrap. Hmm. Really reminded me, just the synths, again, a slightly glam rock sound, really reminded me of a gold rap song, and that's a very good thing. Any in particular? The Strict Machine? Yeah. And I really love how I didn't hear that until you started singing it in the middle, which uh, we actually did record that, so we could play a bit of that back, maybe. Uh, And if we're lucky, (laughs) the editing fairies will have uh, incinerated that. (laughs) That's where that hacking cough came from. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the furnace well the amount of things they've had to burn that have been recorded on this podcast while, while songs are playing it's uh, oh, liable for quite a few things so I, I also like how this song begins with that false beginning it begins like a very upbeat up-tempo raucous rock and roll punky track and then it goes just merges melds into the the uh, the, the, the the bumpy glam rock thing that it is so disc two now Time to turn your cassette over. And we're beginning with a, a, with a bit of a familiar track, but in a different guise. So it's Here Comes the Night Time, I, I. Two. Oh, two, sorry. So that was Here Comes the Night Part 2, which kicks us off onto this second side. Highly unusual. Very different. And I always assumed that that was this kind of a, you know, like when there's a dub remix of a song and it just kind of takes the the top line of it and just turns it into something else. I always thought that was what this was until uh, researching for this episode that actually that version was created first. Yes. Almost as if day goes into night. Yes. And it's interesting that they did choose to release this as a two CD or a two vinyl set because 
it, you know, in total, it is only 13 songs. It could have fitted onto one album, but clearly they wanted they wanted us to feel something else on this side. A separation, a, a sense of something different. No. Yes. And I think we'll definitely feel that as we go into the, the, the subsequent tracks. So let's move on then to track two of this part of the album. And uh, a song, I think, written after some of the singing of yours that we've heard during the past few episodes. It's Awful Sound, Oh Eurodice. Feels like that ending took you by surprise, there, Will. It did. It was very sudden. <laughs> um, but that doesn't—that's not an awful sound at all. Oh, good. I'm glad you thought so. I love the change of pace, and I was just trying to think what it reminds me of, and it was almost a little bit Beatlesque. Oh yeah. What, what makes you say that? What, anything? In no, I, <laughs> I honestly haven't read your notes. I'm rolling my eyes. Seriously, is... seriously, I'm not even joking. Read I that. Read, your... read that. No, seriously, honestly, I haven't. I didn't read that. Okay, I believe you. Well, others wouldn't. I would not turn around and look at your computer while you're out of the room because Lord knows what's on there. I completely agree. Well, I think it's very Beatles. Uh, the parts, the particular parts that do it for me are ahead of the chorus. There's a sort of a little drum roll that's very, very Ringo Starr, and the, then the chorus itself kind of feels quite uh, sort of. Not nursery rhyme like, but quite almost quite a very simple sound, quite a simple melody that the Beatles might write, and also the end and that kind of crescendo that we said took you by surprise feels very the strings there feel very majestic. Uh, majestic, yeah, absolutely. And I know you don't believe me, but I genuinely didn't know you'd written that. Well, I, I do believe you, Will. I do believe you. Please tell us a little bit about Eurydice. Well, I, I don't want to insult our listeners' intelligence because I feel like they're already coming to this podcast knowing a little bit about... Uh, For the uninitiated, anything you want to share? Uh, the bit when Eurydice stepped on a viper and was bitten. Oh. Which is very sad. Yeah. hope she got herself to a quite quickly. Of course, the story is about... She was the wife of Orpheus who tried to bring her back from the dead with his enchanting music... Do you think this song would have done it? No. Right. Need something a bit more uplifting. And what? Which song would bring you back from the dead? Uh, I'd have to say "Lifted" by the Lighthouse Family. Oh. Or "Lift Me Up" by Jerry Hadapal. Uh, and if we're lucky, maybe <laughs> no, not the time. <laughs> All the place. So track three from this disc now, and uh, ooh, more brackets ahead. So this is "It's Never Over." Brackets. Hey, obvious. It's never over, uh, O Orpheus. 
It's never over. Do you think it's about this podcast series? Well, it is never over. Are we ever going to stop? I don't think so. Not until one of us pops the clogs. Uh, maybe we'll raise them from the dead and make them continue. Uh, I do like that one. Yeah, it's great. Again, it's probably one of the more commercially kind of indie, pop, dance, rock, whatever you want to call it, sounds. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that because I thought this is one of the tracks that you wouldn't be so keen on. Because for me, it felt a little bit more, certainly album track territory, which is no bad place to be. But yeah, I thought it was a bit more experimental, a bit more on the rockier side of things with the guitar in there. But there again, the synths do kind of creep up as the song goes on, don't they? Mm. And they are some lovely, wonderfully kind of so, quite yes. shiny, vintage-sounding synths, which is uh, which is lovely, and a wonderful beat. So I've got the beat in that one, and in particular, there's a bit of a uh, high hat energy in there, which I, I think is fantastic. This is we mentioned Orpheus before. We name checked him. This is um, supposedly a, a retelling of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. I can't never say that word. Eurydice. And also, I can't never say that word. It's one of the worst sentences I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the idea of those two tracks working together and the, the fact that they bring in myth and legend and art into their work. These are This is a band that create fantastic, or can create fantastic pop dance songs, but uh, very educated, very focused on art, let's say. Track number four now, uh, and this is Porno. So, porno there. Will, are you a fan of porno? <laughs> this song is definitely an album track. Mm. I do enjoy it, um, but I wouldn't say uh, as much as anything else we listened to already. But it's not quite down there yet to talk about the album artwork. Although I'm very much looking forward to you talking about the album artwork this week. <laughs> uh, this track, I really musically... Musically... <laughs> You said that with some reluctance. It's yeah, almost like I prompted you to a bit do it. Tired now. Oh, I'm home time. This song I really like musically. I think the synths are, are you know, it's pure. It's almost purely uh, synths and electronics in this one, or so it seems to the untrained ear. Um, but it is also very subtle, and I would imagine it has the kind of kind of slow builds that you would might hear in a porno film. I'm just imagining here. Just supposing. Yeah. I mean, I imagine back in the 70s, it was more of a sort of saxophone-based affair. Uh, no, it's maybe more of this. But again, I don't know for sure. Uh, and lyrically, it is talking about pornography, I'm afraid to say, and sort of the internet age and how accessible it is and how maybe that does have an effect on, uh, well, on men with women and potentially other men. Are the men with men, men, uh, whatever uh, you want to watch, that's fine by me. Uh, as long well, as it's safe and legal and consensual. Yeah. Uh, and if we're lucky, we might get. No. To... <laughs> no. No, oh, no. I don't no, think we should. No. No. Okay. Uh, because it is Halloween, and that would be a step too far for some of our listeners. Devilish. Yes. Quite. Quite scary. 
certainly the things that I've seen on your tabs. Track number five now, and this is Afterlife. Afterlife. Will, do you often think about the afterlife? I have to think about this great track. Oh, good. Which was a single, it was the second single released off the album, and it was called Afterlife. Any more information than that? (laughs) It is Um, a great single. What I do love about this track is that it's on this second part of the album, so obviously this part is a little bit more subdued, less poppy, less sort of approachable, not approachable, what do I mean? A little more shoegazy. Oh, that's a good way to put this song, yeah. But it is very much kind of, obviously followed Reflect It as a single, and I think it does have that same uh, relentless energy. And at a whopping almost six minutes long, it does need some energy. And do you know what, I can't get enough of it though, six minutes, it almost doesn't feel like enough. Yeah. I was genuinely gutted when it ended. Oh. It still has, it has some of the carnival feel that this album's had, but uh, a more subtle a more subtle version of it. And I was thinking, what does it kind of... If I could picture myself in a scene of where this song would soundtrack it, I was thinking the early hours at Glastonbury after a night out and the sun's just starting to rise. And it's rather than the afterlife, it's kind of like the... The next day of Glastonbury. It's a little later than I care to, care to stay out at Glastonbury <laughs> these days, but I get the I get the idea. Normally tucked up by ten o'clock with a cocoa. Yeah. Uh, also, this would this for me would be a perfect way to end the album. Well, I have to agree with you, but it's not the end of the album. No. So we're on to the last track on the album now, uh, and this is Supersymmetry. <laughs> So, Supersymmetry there, the last song on the album, very, oh, very subdued, very mm. slow, quite minimal closer there, isn't it? Peter's here. Pete, oh. He's dressed up for Halloween as well. <laughs> what is he dressed as? I can't He's, quite tell. Uh, it's, uh, he is a zombie. Oh. Well, he looks like the undead, but not too much of a stretch from usual. No. When Peter, he's... Peter out. This album has petered out? Well, before you get to, to what I imagine will be your moment to talk about the album artwork, I would just like to point out that this song was written for the Spike Jones film Her, which starred Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams and Scarlett Johansson. Will, have you seen the film? I haven't seen Her, no. No. Have you seen him? No. And I haven't seen It either. <laughs> Neither have I. The song, I definitely agree that it's... Um, it could have ended on Afterlife on a very different note. But I don't hate this song. And I particularly like the part where it does kind of build up a little bit more with the strings. But Will, 
over to you for what I know for what I imagine is going to be talking about the Almar work. So what a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork. And you've got a couple of stunning busts on the front. Um, and actually, one of them is more than a bust, because you can see his, uh, his uh, flash bulb and his eyes. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, stone, a couple of stone figures. Uh, one's, got, one's got their hands over their eyes. The other one is embracing the other one round the back. Uh, in a circle. Uh, what does it all mean? Well, who knows? It's in a dark circle and there's a sort of um, uh, an oily liquid ripple effect around the outside, wouldn't you say? Which does look stunning on the vinyl edition of this album. I mean, it's a lovely, as a piece of art, it's a stunning cover. Um, And would you not say this album is a piece of art? Well, it is, isn't it? Because it's so, you can't pigeonhole what it is or uh, what style it is or what sound it is because there's so much going on on there. Which is why it's been so good uh, to talk about it. I must briefly mention before we finish, uh, the reception of the album uh, was very positive. Enemy gave it 8 out of 10. Rolling Stone gave it 4.5 out of 5. Independent gave it 4 out of 5. The Telegraph gave it 4 out of 5. So if I had to give it an average rating, I would say it was 8 out of 10. Very good. Very good. And and the you know the critics do love Arcade Fire. I think actually everything now the most recent album is the one that maybe didn't get the same reception as the previous four. Um, but perhaps we'll come to talk about that later. So in an uh, unprecedented seek into the next section of the podcast, it's time for some further listening. Will, I'd love to invite you to go first. So for today we are doing anything Arcade Fire. Yes, it's it's trick or treat. This week, and uh, hopefully I've, we've got a few treats in store. I've definitely got a treat for you with this one, and this one is from uh, the subsequent album, um, and it could only be everything. that was Everything Now, the title track from the album Everything Now, their most recent album, and Will, what a fantastic choice. Isn't it wonderful? And this was a big hit, um, in, this, in America anyway. I know it was very well received in the UK, but it just didn't perform as well commercially, but I love it. What a departure compared to what we've just listened to. Yeah, much poppier. This, I think the this track, the melody and the instruments in this track were likened to ABBA and sort of 1970s pop music a lot and I can definitely hear that. Also there's some uh, lovely flute work in there as well. Unexpected but an unexpected joy. Um, Producers on this, Thomas uh, Bangalter and Steve McKay. We talked about Steve McKay back on Florence in the Machine. Yes uh, and previously of Pulp fame which is lovely but yeah it's a great uplifting fun song Um, I did, I mentioned before that I saw them at Hyde Park as part of their tour for Reflector. I also saw them more recently on the Everything Now tour at Wembley and this song was just sheer joy. Just people's hands in the air. It's it's so euphoric. I absolutely love it. You can just imagine people chanting on along towards the end of it. Yeah. Mm. I've I've never shouted Everything Now 
out of my mouth so much. Draw a veil over that. Dan, what have you gone for? So I've gone back an album, actually, and I mentioned this song earlier and this album. So The Suburbs, released in 2010, or 2010, was the album that introduced me to Arcade Fire. And a friend recommended it to me, and it was just instantly an album that I could put on and play throughout. So this was the lead single, and it's a great song. This is Ready to Start. That was ready to start. Will, thoughts? Oh, there's a lovely kind of whirring electronic sound uh, that's just perfect to put into book two, mm. or book 1.5 of our uh, Sounds of Pop Music. And I um, will have a word with the editing fairies to make sure it's included in the 30-second snippet just there. That would be lovely. It's a source of sound that uh, the likes of Brian Higgins get a kick out of using in, in, in pop songs. Um, but obviously this is a very different animal. Yes, it is. But it is still, it, it feels like one of their, it's one of their poppier moments, despite the fact it's very different from everything now, and it's actually very different from Reflector as well, isn't it? The song. It is, but it's really nice. You can see how things moved on slightly into the, into the following album, and then completely changed pace into the album after that. Yeah. Great. It's, I love a band that just continues to grow, continues mm. to evolve. And, and this song is... As I say, the whole album I absolutely love, but this song I can... Uh, it's a great song for me to either drive to or be in the shower to because I just sing it uh, to my heart's content. We're out of time. We're out of time. And although we both went for big hit singles from Arcade Fire, I'd like to think that at some point we will come back to talk about them. Maybe. Mm, it's a particular song you like from Everything Now, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah, I was just clapping and clapping it out to you. Yeah, it was lovely. Gave you the clap. So please do continue to let us know what you think about Track by Track at Trash UK hashtag Track by Track. And do pop on over to the Apple Podcast page to give us a rating and a review uh, if you're enjoying what you're listening to and only if you're enjoying what you're listening to. Purely treats and no tricks. Just to tie up this very loosely themed Halloween episode. (laughs) (laughs) So Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next? Well, yes, we're actually going to be back on Friday this week. What? Uh, I'm not free. Well, you're going to have to do some overtime. Change your plans, because this is something quite big, actually. There is a new album coming out by a band that we featured earlier this year, and they're going to be joining us to talk about the brand new album. Oh, I think I can move some stuff around now you said that. Well, no, if you can't, don't worry. I can handle it. I can look after it. Don't worry about it. So, very exciting for Friday, but to say anything more... Really would be to give that away. And then, of course, we're back on Tuesday... Um, we've just celebrated Halloween, so let's go for it and let off a few fireworks. Are oh, you going to go and let off in the garden? <laughs> so until next time, I've been Win Butler. And I've been Will Butler. Goodbye. Goodbye.